We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers podcast... It's NFL Draft Week, and Chad is borderline hypothermic in his garage. This week, we are joined by a very special guest from 92.3 The Fan right here in Cleveland. Mike Chico Borman hangs out in the garage with us to talk all things draft. The host of Chico After Dark talks about his draft wishes, rumors, and what could happen with our favorite team in the orange and brown this week. Also, Gronk is back. But what about his WWE title? And the guys do their own version of a mock draft for everyone to laugh at later. So come on into the garage, pull up a lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Hello and welcome everybody to the fourth ever episode of the Garage Beers podcast. My name is Michael Keefe and it is draft week, which you know, here in Cleveland means it's Super Bowl week. Joining me on the Garage Beers podcast, as always, my cohort over there on the east side of Cleveland, hanging out in his garage, even though it snowed today. I don't know if it snowed on the east side, but it was snowing over here on the west side. Chad Meyer, how's it going over there, Chad? Would you get in your goddamn garage for once? <laughs> I mean, my no. God. Just, just stay true to the name just once, Mike. Yeah, when it's not snowing outside. Oh, yeah, okay, all right, all right. We all know what you're hiding in the garage. I get it, all right? I get it. Listen, look at you. You've got a fancy garage over there. You've got fancy windows on your garage door. I got, I got an older garage. i got a disconnected garage. It's like cement and cinder blocks over there. I don't want to so, smell like you don't have, dead grass. You don't have power in that garage? I mean, I have power, but, you know, you know don't judge me, Chad. I'll get there when I get there. Um, you know, actually, it's not too bad out here tonight. It's, it's, it's actually warmer than it was last week. Uh, so that entire conversation we were having with uh, Tim Alcorn, I was freezing my nards off. But uh, yeah, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Let's, let's, let's do this stuff. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. And as always, uh, who's, this guy who sends me text messages throughout the week telling me, oh, it's 70 here. It's great. It's 75. It's going to be 80 this weekend down in Nashville, Tennessee. Joey Whalen, what's going on, Joe? What's going on, guys? I think what's I've gone. I think I've gone this entire <laughs> quarantine. I just did laundry this weekend, and I haven't worn a single pair of time? socks. Uh, slippers, pair, really? Yeah, no joke. <laughs> I'm so warm. I'm not, like not trying to rub it in your face, but you know, it's pretty good. 
You know what, Joe? You know what? Why do we even? Why? Why do we have you here? (laughs) You're not invited. Put some damn socks on. You don't have to be in a garage, but you got to wear socks. Well, Joey's joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. Chad's over there in the garage, and we got all kinds of good stuff for you here today. Uh, We are we're going to talk with. Mike Chico Borman, the host of Chico After Dark on 92.3 The Fan. He's got some good insight on the draft, what's going on. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy that throughout this whole quarantine, he's talking sports and talking with sports experts every day. So he brings some really good insight to the podcast. And uh, we got some other fun, fun things to go over with you. A lot of draft-related stuff. But before we do that, as we do every single week here on the Garage Beers podcast, we start with this week's Garage Beers of the Week. And to kick things off, we're going to kind of explain how we got to our Garage Beers of the Week this week. We ran a poll. Thank you to all of you who voted on either our Facebook page uh, at The Garage Beers on Facebook or our Twitter page at The Garage Beers. We ran a poll. And the poll this week said, our beers are going to be determined by what position you think the Browns need to focus on in the draft. And so we had a couple choices. We had offensive line and so we we matched up stout with offensive line because you, you got to be stout if you're an offensive lineman we did a strong ale for a linebacker because that seemed to make sense we put safety on there and then i don't know what goes with safety so i just picked a hefeweizen uh that didn't get any votes so that didn't matter and then we said if you think the browns will should trade down if enough people think the browns should trade down out of the 10th pick we would just find some old fashioned cheap ass beer and we would drink that. And well, a lot of you came to your senses and the overwhelming favorite was the stout. Most of you thought that the Browns should go offensive tackle in the draft. And so this week, the garage beers of the week will all be stouts and we will start down in Nashville, Tennessee with Joey. What's your garage beer of the week this week? So four episodes in, I'm circling back to the same brewery, uh, just because I, once I found out we were doing stouts, I was like, oh, I, I can't skip on this one. So I'm going back to tailgate sure. this week out of Nashville, and I have their peanut butter milk stout. Um, and it is absolutely fantastic. It's very rich uh, and creamy and velvety, if you will. Um, it's kind of like one of those ones that you would want to put with like some vanilla ice cream and make like a stout flow with it or something like it is a dessert. Oh man, Joe. Well, that sounds delicious. A peanut butter stout. And again, Joe, Joe came to me earlier and said, uh, should we go back to the same brewery? And I said, man, if the beer's good enough, I don't care what brewery you, you get it from. So uh, a return from uh, uh, the first time, one of the Nashville breweries is our first time repeat brewery, but that sounds awesome. Joe, Chad, what are you drinking tonight for stout week? First of all, look at that color. I mean, it's so dark, so it's rich, a, so much better podcast, than, than any IPA <laughs> that could ever oh, come God. out of any brewery. But uh, <sighs> this week, this week, I uh, you know I went back to World of Wines and Liquor in Menor, and uh, obviously their curbside service guy was kind of a dick, but that's another story. Um, oh, I want to hear it. Yeah, what? Uh, I mean, he was just, I, I ordered a six pack. I mean, you know that everybody is trying not to go inside stores because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because of the, you know, the coronavirus going on right now. 
And so I just ordered a six pack. I said, give me, you know, the best selling stout, best selling stout you've got. And, you know, he came out and he goes, oh, for something little like this, uh, definitely just come inside because uh, it, it wastes a lot of our time. Thanks. Bye. And he just kind of threw it at me and left. Yeah. I was like, all huh. right. Well, you dick. Oh. Anyway. Prick. Anyway. But he gave me, um, uh, out of Deschutes Brewery in uh, mm-hmm. Bend, Oregon, the Oregon. Obsidian Stout. It's uh, six and a half percent alcohol by volume, and uh, I'm just—I think I'm going to read this in character. The description—it's—it uh, says because uh, the uh, the label has two very ominous-looking werewolves on it, like uh, like standing on top of a volcano pit. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. But uh, the description that they have for this beer is black skies, ominous flows. Dark notions venture beneath this bold stout's sinister exterior to unearth a deeply complex and rewarding ale worthy of immortality. Oh, dang. So I that's like it. That's it my, my, yeah, my Deschutes Brewery is, uh, it's a great brewery. Deschutes. Yeah. It's actually great. They did a little pop up here in Cleveland a couple of years ago. They did a little pop up like brewery stand, all Deschutes beer. It was awesome. So now that leaves my, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I just took my first sip, and it's very, um, very. It's a mix of chocolate and, and espresso. It's it's really good. Ooh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you can get back to liking beer again this week, Chad. Mm. <laughs> so my garage beer of this week is an Ohio beer from Columbus, Ohio, and one of the great brewery names anywhere, Hoof Hearted Brewery. That's Hoof, H-O-O-F, Hearted, H-E-A-R-T-E-D, Brewing out in Columbus, and this is a beast. This beer is called, and I kid you not, it's called, you ever put a helmet on a basketball? Which I thought was sportsy. It's beer. It goes with all of our motifs. Yeah, well, yeah. Being cranially challenged myself, that that just speaks to me. This thing is a beast. It is 13%, and it is just, it's strong, it's creamy it's smooth like you said it's chocolatey yours is chocolatey this has some cookie in it it is this thing is well you don't want to go too fast through one of these or else i'll be mumbling my way through the end of this podcast yeah i'm surprised you're not already no oh no sir i am i am i am an expert uh at not (laughs) doing that at least until the end of a podcast like last week oh gotcha (laughs) So those are the Garage Beers of the Week here on Stout Week. Thank you again to all of you that uh, hit up our social media pages and joined in all of the fun. Look for that. Most weeks, uh, you'll have a chance to participate in the show or choose our beers or make Chad do something stupid or, you know, whatever we decide to do. So, again, once again, that is our Garage Beers of the Week. All right, and now we are... Really excited to be joined on the Garage Beers podcast, our second special guest in as many weeks. Uh, But uh, this gentleman has agreed to join us this week, and we are very excited to have him on. It's Mike Chico Borman, host of Chico After Dark, the most seductive sports talk show name in (laughs) the country on 92.3 The Fan here in Cleveland. Chico, how you doing? I'm doing well, but guys, don't uh, don't put me in the category of Tim Alcorn. I know that was your <laughs> guest, and I'm just uh, – no way I can fill those shoes. I'll do my best, but no way I can fill those shoes. Great to be with you guys. 
Hey, man, we're very appreciative that you're coming on. We, uh, you're referencing Tim Alcorn was on last week. He was great. But uh, listen, anybody that takes the time to, to join us to talk a little bit of sports as we're just trying to all navigate through this crazy time together, just, just talking about sports is, I feel like that's what's keeping me going. And you do it on a nightly basis. But just to talk, we don't have sports to talk about, but just talking about them keeps me going. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where, and, you know, we'll see how long this plays out, obviously, you know, much more important things going on. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, it's, <laughs> you're, thank God for the draft right now. Um, you know, we have that to talk about, but it, it is, uh, it's challenging. And, and we've gone through a lot of, you know, top 10 lists. We've gone through a <laughs> lot of, uh, you know, basically like rebroadcast stuff and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, you just find a way to find a way to make it through. And, and we're just fortunate. Uh, I'm just fortunate along with uh, the folks at 92.3, the fan to have a, a good bunch of fans and, and listening audience that have uh, remained with us through this. Yeah, we, uh, uh, we have tried to find as many different things to talk about over the last few weeks. Have you guys, have you been into Tiger King? I have not. I'm oh. just, so I, I, listen, I don't know if, if you got how much you guys listen, but I'm usually way behind when it comes <laughs> to, uh, you know, Netflix stuff and, and, and shows like that. So I just now, uh, I, I'm, I'm in season four of game of Thrones. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even done that yet. So I, I'm, I'm plowing my way through that. Tiger King, I haven't decided if it's something I'm going to watch. Like, I, I hear it's really good, but I also hear it's it's really bizarre. Um, I, I keep hearing this Carol Bask. I didn't know who that was for, like, two weeks. I'm like, who She's the hell is this Carol Baskin? Oh, she killed her husband, Chico. <laughs> well, listen, we'll have to talk to you again in, like, 2024 when you finish Game of Thrones. <laughs> My producer's going to love that joke. They, they give me so much hell. It's, it's unbelievable. I would recommend, if you ever just need to feel normal about your own life, if you ever just need to feel like, you know what, I'm kind of doing things okay here, just watch Tiger King. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I've heard it'll, uh, all I heard is it's extremely bizarre. I, I, I heard the stuff about Carol Baskin. I've heard a little bit about this dude, Joe Exotic. Is that his name? <laughs> yes. Sounds like a, a porn star or something. I don't know. The second runner-up to be governor of Oklahoma in 2018. Oh my God, that's scary. <laughs> that just that tells you all you need to know about our country right now. Holy! Could God. you imagine Governor Exotic? <laughs> and, and he sold it, and, and he did it by campaigning with condoms with a uh, with his face on them. Oh my God! <laughs> if that yeah, doesn't well, there you go. <laughs> so listen, Chico, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little sports. Uh, we're going to, we'll get into the Browns because obviously Browns draft week here, uh, you know, we call them the gift that keeps on giving. Cause when there's no sports, at least there's always something swirling around the Browns. And so there's a few things there. Uh, but before we do that, you're kind of the second, second person in a row, Tim Elkhorn last week gave us a really good story. Uh, he was, he grew up in Massachusetts, but his transistor radio used to pick up Cleveland sports. It used to pick up 1100 in Massachusetts. So he used to listen to Joe Tate as a kid in Massachusetts. And now he's sitting in the Joe Tate perch. It's like his dream come true. Well, you've got, you've got a great story too. You're a, you're a native 
from Northeast Ohio. You're from uh, the Cleveland area, and it's your dream uh, to be in radio in Cleveland. And after cutting your teeth in, in Erie, Pennsylvania for a long time, here you are as host of Chico After Dark, uh, 7 p.m. to 12 a.m. every night on 92.3 The Fan. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and, and, and uh, just kind of what it means to you to be a, a sports talk show host in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, you know, again, growing up here in, in Northeast Ohio um, and being a Cleveland fan from, you know, as long as I can remember. Um, and I think you guys would agree and anybody who's grown up in this area would agree that once it gets in your blood, it's, you know, it's there and it, it never goes away. And even with a lot of heartbreak and things like that, it's, you know, you love, you love your hometown. And, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I always said that, you know, even back when I was in college, like when somebody said, what do you want to do with your career? I'm like, you know what? I just want to end up in Cleveland. I want to do, you know, if I can sports talk radio and, and sports talk radio was still, I mean, it, it's not as, as big as it is now. I mean, now you, it's blown up, but it was, uh, it was something that interested me. And, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, you want to go here, you want to go there. And first of all, some of those, some of those high profile jobs are tough to get, but, you know, I always said, you know, I, this is where I want to be. I want to be in Cleveland. And, um, like you mentioned Erie and, and I really enjoyed my time there. It, it gave me, uh, you know, an opportunity to really kind of, you know, cut my teeth and, and, um, make mistakes that, you know, you're going to make mistakes and, and be able to learn kind of how things go. But ultimately when, when this position, uh, opened up and again, I started part-time, uh, in Cleveland and then, uh, was given the show uh, a couple years ago. So yeah, it is, it, it truly is. I know it sounds hokey for some, but, uh, if you're from Cleveland, you probably get it. But I mean, this is, this has been my dream job is, is to be doing, you know, talking sports with these great fans in this great city. Now, Chico, uh, Chad here, by the way, I finally was able to get on. Uh, <laughs> Welcome aboard. <laughs> uh, but, but it was good talking to you throughout the week. And, um, one thing we like to do here, you know, on garage beers, you know, we feature beers every week you know whether it be not last week was ipa which i find gross but you know that's another whole other discussion but um what uh when when mike chico borman uh indulges in adult beverages what type of what type of beers what type of uh libations do you like to uh do, do, do you like to take well part this is interesting because um i used to take part a little too much back in the day so i i haven't I'm actually, uh, I have, I'm, I've been sober about seven years, hey, but, congratulations. Uh, but I trust me guys. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but I, I certainly, you know, uh, I, I get it, you know, and, and, um, I, I would say when, when it came to like one of my favorites, I've always been a Sam Adams fan. I like the, I like the dark loggers. Um, um, but, you know, it's funny now because, you know, like you go to an Indians game and, you know, a lot of the beers that have become popular, or a lot of the adult beverages that have become popular, it's like, damn, like, I, 
you know, all of these <laughs> things have happened in the last seven years. They're like, Hey, have you tried summer Shandy? I'm like, no, they're like, Hey, have you tried white claw. I'm like, no, I, I haven't. But, um, I was pretty happy with a, uh, you know, a, a lager. Like I said, Sam Adams was definitely one of my favorites. Um, Dos Equis, not bad. And, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, the Great Lakes, the rail bender, uh, rail oh, yeah. bender. I was a huge fan of. So, um, probably too much, obviously, because, uh, I had to settle down a little bit, but uh, yeah, I know I enjoyed all those. Well, Hey man, we raise a, we raise a, a non-alcoholic toast to the last seven years to you, man. Congratulations on that. Thanks fellas. I appreciate it. Sure. So let's get into this. Uh, obviously here we are draft week. It's surreal, right? Like it doesn't even feel like <laughs> it, it, it almost feels like it's fake anyways, because we're going to all sit down this week and we're going to watch, I don't know, virtual draft. We're, we're basically going to watch a televised fantasy football draft is what this feels like we're going to do. And, uh, and I don't know, do, uh, are you excited at this point? Now I know you're talking about it every day and you've got, you've got some guests that you've had on the show recently that we're going to talk about uh, what they had to say. Uh, but I don't know. It just feels surreal to me. It feels like it, it almost feels fake. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be, uh, look, we're always fascinated by, okay, who's going to go where? And obviously from a Browns perspective, who the Browns are going to take this year at 10. So, I mean, you always have that, but I think right now there's that added fascination of how is this thing going to going to play out? Like, I mean, seeing, seeing Roger Goodell in his basement, is he, in his bathrobe, I mean, is he in boxers? Is he, does he still get does his family boom? Uh, I don't oh, know. That would be amazing. Yeah, really would. <laughs> um, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they pull this off. I think, um, you know, we've talked to, uh, about some of the different aspects of this, being that it's going to be, um, you know, virtual, and it's going to be you know, obviously remote locations and not only that, but I think you go back to when this whole thing started and, you know, pro days aren't there and right. The ability to have medicals and, and all that stuff. So like, you know, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that said it earlier this week. And I think he, I, I really think he hit the nail on the head. He's like, you know, the group think that you're used to, uh, hearing and, and reading about in terms of, you know, scouts and, and analysts uh, hanging out and kind of hearing the same information. Um, it, 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 I think it's going to lend to chaos in the first round and that you're, you're going to see some guys like, well, wait a minute, I, I saw mock drafts that had him at 12 and he went yeah. 45th and this guy was projected to be, you know, a late second or third, and he just went end to first. So it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be fascinating from so many different angles. And, um, you know, I just hope that everybody's able to, they're able to get it done without uh, any craziness in terms of, you know, people trying to hack in because we all know that there's idiots like that out there. But um, it's going to be fascinating, guys. There's no question about it. Now, getting to the Browns, Chico, um, you know, we talked about this on uh, the podcast a little bit uh, two weeks ago in episode two. Um, we think if they, that the Browns stay at 10, uh, it's pretty simple. If one of those four tackles is there, you take them. 
because it's it's the we feel it's the biggest need uh, where they need the most talent where they need to really shore up uh, and protect Baker's blind side. But is there really do you what about what's your stance on it? Is there any scenario in your head that you see where it's like oh maybe we don't take the left tackle we don't uh, you know we 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 try to maybe trade up for an Isaiah Simmons? Is it as simple as it seems, or is there other factors at play? I mean, I put it this way, uh, my preference and, uh, you know, they haven't, Andrew Barry surprisingly hasn't called me to see what I think, but, um, <laughs> you know, my preference is like you said, if they stay at 10 um, and they may trade, trade back, who knows, but if they stay at 10, I'm with you guys. I, you know, I, I would want one of those four tackles um, for what it's worth, you know, Wills and Worfs are kind of at the top of, you know, my list, but any one of those four I'm happy with. But when you talk about different scenarios, and this is what, you know, I've been talking about and as a station we've been talking about ad nauseum, um, I guess the, the, the most logical one, or at least the one that's been presented the most, is Isaiah Simmons. And not even necessarily a trade up because, you know, this is where it gets, you know, crazy. Look, you get a month out. Uh, two months out, whatever, from the draft. And you're saying, well, okay, Isaiah Simmons won't be there. I can remember being in studio. Um, I think I was on filling in for Bull. I was on with Dustin. And that was the pro, or that was the uh, the combine workout where Mekhi Becton just like set the world on fire. And, you know, you're thinking about Isaiah Simmons and, and Tristan Wirfs. And I remember after that combine, we had a lot of calls where people were like, oh, my God, you know what? Trade up, do whatever you got to do to get Isaiah Simmons. Um, so the thinking a few months ago was, well, this guy, there's not a prayer in the world of him being there at 10. Now, I still think he's going to be gone, but you start hearing different things as we're accustomed to every year as we get closer where, well, Isaiah Simmons could drop. And if he drops, I mean, that's. I think that's the scenario that we're all, you know, if, if it happens, what would the Browns do? What would Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta and Kevin Stefanski and their entire staff decide to do? Would they pull the trigger on Isaiah Simmons? Would they, uh, you know, take the quote unquote safe pick as far as the tackle? I mean, that's to me, that's the big question mark is, you know, if Isaiah Simmons falls and now, you know, you look at mock drafts and look, some of these mock drafts guys are just going to throw out because they've done five, six, seven, eight. So they're just tired of doing the same one. So they're going to throw out different scenarios, which I don't blame them for. But you're starting to see, and I'm sure you guys have noticed this, yeah. like, well, you know, this is a scenario where Isaiah Simmons does drop. And if that happens, hey, I'm as, I'm as, as anxious as you guys are to see what the Browns would do. I, it would be a very, very tough call, but I'm in the camp of just take that tackle. But again, we don't know, you know, we talk about what's the Browns board and, you know, if they're not absolutely in love, like let's say two or three of those tackles they love and the last guy, the fourth guy, whoever it might be is the one that falls to them. Now all of a sudden they have that decision like, wow, okay. If Isaiah Simmons is there and this is the guy that we, yeah, we like, we think he can be good, but it's not somebody that we were absolutely head over heels for. Now it becomes a decision. So um, 
like I said, I, I, I'd want to stay there and take the tackle, and I think I still would, even with Simmons on the board. But that absolutely presents a scenario that we're all kind of anticipating and, and not anticipating, but I think would be uh, very interested to hear and see how the Browns would react to it. Well, and you brought it up, and it's something that I certainly have noticed over the last few days, especially where you get those certain positions that teams tend to just kind of salivate over, right? And so I feel like over the last couple of days, it's been the wide receiver position where maybe it's just because here in Cleveland, we don't feel like we need a wide receiver, which is fair. Uh, but uh, we're not talking about it too much, but I'm starting to see a lot of like, oh, this team wants to come up for Judy. This team wants to come up. And so, you know, you've got the set group of nine teams in front of us, but you know, teams, teams panic and they, they see the ability to go get their quarterback or go get their number one right wide receiver and, and they give up anything to get up there. And, and all that means for the Browns at 10 is, listen, we just, we just sit back here and we wait and see what plays out in front of us. And you never know how many of those big name players that we all kind of assume are going to be off the board are sitting there waiting for them at 10. We see it as a Browns fan. We see it every year. It makes me mad every year because we take a player that, <laughs> I don't know, Justin Gilbert. And, oh, and, God. and you look at the players that went around him after him. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to make you physically ill uh, on this beautiful Sunday. Uh, but yeah, you just never know. And so, and that's the other thing, a lot of rumors about the Browns looking at potentially trading down. Can you imagine, is there any scenario where you would find it that you would pull the trigger on a deal before you're actually on the clock, before you actually see your options? Um, boy, that's a great question. And, and, you know, it's something that we talked a lot about last week, because again, now we got to go back to reality as far as how this draft is going to play out. Um, not just with, you know, the different prospects, but how it's playing out, you know, remotes and, and, you know, the ability to just, you know, have a guy on the phone and be working the phones and, and, um, it's, it's going to be different. It's, it's, you know, so as far as a trade goes, you know, I'm curious to see like how that, how that plays out. Like I can't wait. One of the stories that I'm sure that the Peter Kings of the world and Albert rears of the world are going to get into after the draft will be, you know, if, if trades went down, how difficult were they or how easy were they? Um, but it's going to be different. So, you know, you get the sense a team like the lions, for instance, uh, Bob Quinn is pretty much, I mean, he, he's basically wearing a sign that says we're looking to move down if anybody's interested. And, you know, but he says we'd like to get it done before Thursday. So I think a lot of teams would love to be able to, if they're going to make a deal, do it before the draft starts. But again, like you said, and this is where it's, you know, very, very interesting. Okay, the board still has to play out. The the draft still has to play out. So, yeah, you're going to have those guys, and maybe even more so, as I talked about at the beginning, guys coming off that you don't expect because everybody's, you know, <laughs> there's so so much unknown and, and so much that didn't happen as far as pro days, as far as medicals, as far as you know, even just face to face time with these guys. I mean, that's a big deal. Uh, for Ray Farmer, it never was, but that's another story. But, um, you know, all these things, let's not go that, that road. 
Yeah, no, we, we definitely don't <laughs> want to go that road. Um, but, uh, you know, so it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think, you know, it, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility by any means for them to trade back. Um, I, I would look for it maybe with, you know, somebody that Andrew Barry's familiar with. That might be Philadelphia. You know, Howie Roseman, obviously, is one of his mentors, and, and he holds in very high regard. I mean, a lot of these conversations are still taking place now. You know, Philly, you talked about, and you mentioned it earlier, um, would one of these teams want to move up and grab their wide receiver, depending on the, how, how the, uh, the board plays out? That's a possibility. But, uh, yeah, I, it, it, like I said, it, it, it's going to be so, so fascinating to see how these guys react and how they're able to, to pull off trades. I mean, basically you're going to have probably two or three guys where their only, their sole job is going to be, okay, you have these four teams, you have these four teams or five teams, whatever it might be. And you just got to, you've got to monitor their draft and be ready to, you know, see what they might be looking to do. And then obviously you've got to get that information to Andrew Barry. And that's where I think it's, I mean, it's unprecedented. We've never yeah. seen anything like that before. Yeah. You've had some, uh, uh, just going back to just your recent episodes on, on Chico after dark. And again, we're joined by Mike Chico Borman from 92, three, the fan Chico after dark every weeknight, seven to midnight. Uh, you've had some interesting guests on, uh, you know, we've kind of already hit on this, but you had Nick shook from around the NFL. He kind of sounds like he's on the same page as what we've talked about. Just, he said, stay at 10 and take a tackle, just do the simple thing. Uh, but I think the, the fascinating couple guests you had on, you had Gary dolphin, the radio play-by-play man for Iowa football, right? Yeah. And Tristan Wirfs is a big name. I think, I think Tristan Wirfs is right up there as one of the top two, uh, Wirfs and Thomas, one of the top two guys that, that, you know, I think a lot of Browns fans want. Uh, and Gary Dolphin said uh, that he doesn't know if Tristan Wirfs is a left tackle. Uh, and then you also had Jeff Schwartz, who knows a thing or two about being a tackle in the NFL, uh, that came on and kind of had a response to that. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you, you know, what, what direction did your conversations this week take you, especially with Wirfs, that can he be a left tackle? Were you pulled a certain way? Did, did your opinion of him go up or down through your conversations? Well, I, I think with Gary, and, and this was very interesting, I think w- with Gary Dolphin, um, and, and obviously, you know, we're talking about guys that, that are in the know much more than I am in terms of worfs or in terms of, in the case of Jeff Schwartz, making the switch from right to left side. But I think with Gary, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like w- when he said that, it, it raised my eyebrows a bit. And I think all he was saying, because I did have a chance to talk to him after uh, after we had him on and he, he tried to clear up. He's like, you know, basically I'm not saying that he can't play left tackle, but you know, he's seen him play more on the right side. And so for him to make a judgment, you know, Oh, he just easily shifts over to the left side, no problem. Or maybe goes inside. Cause a lot of there's, I shouldn't say a lot of, but there's been a few that have said, well, maybe he's more, of an inside guy anyway. Um, but the thing about worse that I go back to, and this is where to answer your question about whether or not it changed my opinion. It, it these guys, when we're talking about the big four and certainly like Wirfs and wills, 
you're talking about elite athleticism. So by no means am I, I mean, you know, when Jeff Schwartz or anybody says, yeah, it's going to, it's a little bit of a transition. Um, I obviously 100% buy that, but I think when you're talking about it, elite athleticism, I'm not that concerned with Tristan Wirfs having to go from right to left side or Wills having to go from right to left side. Obviously, uh, Wills was, you know, uh, right tackle for Tua's blind side last year. But I, 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 I'm I, really not that concerned. But, I, again, that's what makes it very interesting here is you, you've got guys with different opinions. Um, but I think with Gary Dolphin, he was just saying that, you know, essentially – he hasn't seen him as much at left tackle. He, I mean, he, he just up and down and you expect this, obviously he's the voice of the Hawkeyes, but he did say, he's like, this guy is incredibly tough. Um, came in and, 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 uh, and started like right away, which is unheard of at Iowa. Uh, the first to do that really. Um, and that's just, I mean, that never happens. And that's a pretty good factory of linemen that they have there. So Uh, we'll see. I, I, you know, uh, opinions have been all over the board on it, but uh, I, it hasn't really changed mine. Worfs and Wills, I, I think, are at the top of mine, my list, if I have one. All right, so let's talk about something with the Browns that also has been in the news. I, literally, I think since we acquired Odell Beckham Jr., I think from the minute we acquired him, the <laughs> conversations of him wanting out of here and wanting to get traded and the team looking to trade him. I think that started from minute one. Obviously, there was some – I hate to even give it any credence because it just seems like it was totally made up. But there was some smoke that came out this week of the Vikings and uh, Odell Beckham. I, he's not happy in Cleveland. He wants to go somewhere else, which I, I don't know. He's To me, he's demonstrated anything but that. Uh, so, I don't know. I guess – I kind of expect it from national people. You know, there's an elite athlete in Cleveland and, and a, a big personality athlete in Cleveland, so he must want to leave. But I don't know. Do we show – I feel like I, I'm reading all the comments on Twitter and talking to other Cleveland fans, it, it's is it, – do we have a little inferiority complex with that as well? Like, do we – is it like a – we just automatically – it's like it's like when you have an ex. It's like we think that people just want to leave us. like. I don't know what's going on with that. Why do we keep hearing about this? That's uh, that's an excellent question in terms of the inferiority complex. Yeah, I think I think there is some of that with, with Cleveland fans. But again, you know, I, I think right now this is just my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. But I think right now, I, I think he's Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, I'm, I'm talking about is is very intrigued with uh you know Kevin Stefanski and the offense there's still he knows there's still talent on this team yeah um and and that you know if Baker gets right and and God knows uh, you know I'm not gonna I don't want to spend all the time bashing Freddie Kitchens but my God I I don't know how you could do worse than that guy did a year ago (laughs) um but in terms of in terms of OBJ I I think the you know, the talk last year about him wanting out, I think that was very much real. I, I think it was, you know, the, the stuff that he was saying to Garoppolo or whoever, come get me. And, and that's, you know, part of that is just what you get with OBJ. Like, I think that's one of the things that we were, we wanted to say we were prepared for, but I don't think we were. And when you ask about, you know, the inferiority complex, you just, 
I mean, that's he's a diva. Now, that doesn't mean he's the worst teammate. It doesn't mean that, you know, oh, man, he's going to he's going to just kill your locker room. Now, there is that possibility. But I think last year, more than anything, it was just frustration up and down the board. Ultimately, I think Odell Beckham Jr. wants to win. And we say winning cures all. And I think if the Browns are winning, I don't think he necessarily gets hung up on, you know, how many touches am I getting and how. But again, um, he's somebody that I said it really right after Kevin Stefanski got hired. I think his biggest job, Stefanski, is, you know, being able to, to get all of these egos and personalities on the same page and that damn C word culture that the Browns are, have been searching for since 99, you've got to have it. And, you know, so I, I you know, the, the latest rumor that you referenced and I, I was kind of look, I, I, Moose is out of, out of the fan in New York. Uh, it's a huge station. He, he does a great job. I'm not saying, but it, you're right. Like it comes out of New York and it's like, Oh, well, I mean, that's gotta be, uh Oh, OBJ's on the run. And, and, you know, it, it, it kind of got overblown, um, you know, and I know he said that he was just talking to basically a buddy of his and, but anytime that comes up, you know, because of what happened last year and because of just the nature of OBJ. And I think what you mentioned a moment ago about it, an inferiority complex, it's going to raise that anxiety level for some Browns fans. But I, I just feel like right now, Nothing would surprise me, but I think he's happy, and I think the Browns are happy, and let's just let this play out. Now, on the other side of that, Chico, you – yeah, I I think – I agree. I think there is some inferiority complex there, but why do you think – it always seems that there is just this automatic assumption that uh, an an elite athlete or a big personality wants to go to, you know, L.A., New York, Chicago, just some sort of – bigger market is, is is it more of a, a brand issue with them nowadays but it's just or, or you see in the national media it's like it, it never seems like uh, whenever a, a, a small market to a media market gets a big personality a big city the talk starts like mike said the talk starts immediately but why is it just an automatic assumption that it's like oh yeah odell beckham definitely wants to you know be in san francisco or you see it in the nba all the time every every time uh, a big name free agent comes up. He goes, "Oh, uh, Chris Paul wants to go to the Knicks." Like, why? Why is it, is it more of that too, or what? I, I guess I guess I'm looking for a little elaboration. Yeah, I mean, I, put it this way: short answer, LeBron James, and, and that's not. I'm a LeBron supporter, yeah. and I, I we get a lot of calls, people that can't stand the guy, and he's a traitor. And look, the guy brought a championship. I don't like the way he did it the first time around, but, um, you know, and he's done great work with, with Northeast Ohio, but look, when arguably the greatest, and I know the Jordan documentary drops tonight, but arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time is a Northeast Ohio kid from Akron. Uh, when he decides not once, but twice that he's going to go somewhere. Now, some of that, yeah, had to do with Dan Gilbert, I'm sure. But I think right away, you don't really have to look to other athletes. I mean, that guy, the guy that you would think would, oh, yeah, he's going to want to stay here. And and I think we have to understand, like, look, 
we love it here in Cleveland, and I know he loves his city, but ultimately he's going to do what's best for him and his family and his career. But in terms of that, you know, why does that come up? Yeah, I mean, there, it's no secret that a bigger market brand, as you mentioned, yeah, I mean, that's that's not a rumor. That's absolutely that's absolutely fact for a lot of these guys. But I think when when people talk about Cleveland, you know, they can just say, well, you had your hometown guy and he just he did it not once. He did it twice. So, of course, there's going to be that speculation. So, I mean, there's a lot, lot of factors that go into it. But I think in terms of LeBron James, it's like, there you go. You could you could begin and end the discussion right there. Right. Well, so the last thing the Browns did uh, this week that we'll touch on with them is uh, they did their uniforms. Uh, the big jersey reveal this week. I know I, I was I was uh, I saw you on Twitter uh, comment. Did you get your jerseys ordered yet? Are you a fan? It seemed like you're a pretty good fan of these uh, uh, more simple throwback style jerseys from what this atrocity was that they've been wearing the last five years <laughs> well let let me start by saying this i'm i'm not somebody like i i i don't want to say i don't understand it because it's going to sound like I'm, I'm i'm mocking the people that do but i am not one of these guys that's like peeing down my leg waiting for the uniform reveal and it's just like all week the last two weeks and th- when's it going to be and what is it, are they going to look like this uh, I'm not really a Jersey guy per se. Like when I was growing up and, and um, you know, we had season tickets for a while. Uh, I had a Bernie Kosar Jersey, but for me personally, I don't really get into jerseys now, but I know people do. Um, I will say this. I love the new unis because I think they are a cleaner, simpler look, you know, don't, don't try to mess with something that, you know, it doesn't need messed with basically. And uh, it was good to hear JW Johnson basically say, you know, the Browns are what the Browns are. And, and I don't think you need anything splashy. I, you know, I got mocked on, uh, on Twitter for this. I said, I like the socks. I mean, yeah. I thought the socks was a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the unis. Uh, I'm not one to go out and, and buy jerseys and, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not important enough, obviously, for the Browns to send me one. Oh, some they guys, didn't mail you one. Some guys like Dustin Fox, you know, hey, I, I get it. D Fox is, you know, he's a big, big name and everything. But <laughs> uh, just taking us. We're, we're not going to see an unboxing video of you on Twitter? There, no, uh, you won't. <laughs> I mean, you may, but it's going to be like my, my stained old jersey of Bernie Kosar. And I might do that, actually. I, you guys just gave me an idea. I might you should do, do that. that. But uh, no, I, and again, it's nothing against like, oh, I don't like the unis. That's just not something I do, but I, I think the unis look absolutely sharp. I got no issues whatsoever. All right, Chico. Well, we are going to wrap up here, but uh, I have one last <laughs> question to ask you. Oh, I'm nervous. As, uh, <laughs> as you know, you know, through our email exchange, um, we have a, a mutual friend. Uh, in Jeff Tuttle, uh, his name's Jeff Tuttle. My, uh, it's kind of how I started the emails, <laughs> the email chain. And um, Jeff Tuttle used to go to you know Browns games with uh, with, with Chico over there. And uh, of course, I'm going to ask him for any stories that I can, oh, no. you know, that I can bring <laughs> up to maybe, to maybe razz him a little bit. Well, yeah, and and he couldn't think. Go ahead. 
he couldn't think of anything at the time. But after, uh, I, I'm sure it was spending time at his local watering hole. He's uh, really high up on the hardwood whiskey now. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he texted me last night asking me, I mean, it, it's not a story about you, so no worries. Uh-oh. But he asked me, but you guys played baseball back in the day, I believe at, at high school and high school. Yeah, and uh, high school and trail. I actually ended up moving uh, my last two years to Northwest Ohio. So I finished high school in Finley. Um, but yeah, I played, okay. uh, I played high school ball with Jeff and, and travel. That's, that's really when Tuttle and I became friends was, uh, we played a, the, okay. the old Mickey Mantle travel league. Uh, Tut was much better than, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. he was much better than I, I was a terrible hitter. Um, I love, I loved the game probably more than any of those guys did. But it didn't matter when it came to hitting. I was awful. But, the uh, Alvaro Espinosa of the Mickey Mantle League. I was. I mean, <laughs> seriously, like I was the Mendoza line. Um, pretty good defensively, decent speed. But other than that, I, I didn't contribute. Um, but yeah, Jeff was. <laughs> he did. I forgot that he did go to some games with us because uh, there would be occasions where somebody couldn't go. We had four tickets, and. Uh, yeah, Tuttle. Tuttle's a good guy. Good, good athlete too. Back in the day. Oh, I don't want to blow up his ego, but terrific. Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good baseball well, player. Don't, don't worry. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna tell him anything about that. <laughs> no, he was. He, but he wanted me to ask you about the. He wanted me to ask you about Mr. Giancola's emphasis on the crow hop. <laughs> Here we go. I'm gonna give you a. I'm gonna give you a uh, Coach Giancola uh impersonate hey fellas fellas go we got a crow hop fellas you got to crow hop into that you're not getting anything on that throw mr born fellas fellas he always addressed us as fellas it was uh yeah he was he, he was something else Those are some good times man i'm glad you guys uh you guys brought that up i hope tuttle's doing well and and uh I asked you about King Tut's brew. His dad had that home brew, but I, I didn't realize I didn't realize that there was sand at the bottom of that stuff, man. What what the hell was he doing? <laughs> he t- he told me when I asked him about it, he said uh he goes <laughs> and when I said he, he I go I go, Tuttle, he, Chico wanted me to ask you about Tut's brew. Do you still make Tut's brew? And he goes, My dad's beer? He goes, Yeah, I go, yeah. He goes, Yeah, he made it in his basement and it was awesome. <laughs> We just, I, I just remember thinking it was cool being over there and seeing like these barrels and I'm going, wow, that's pretty sweet. And he's like, well, it sucks anyway. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So. Safe to say, <laughs> safe to say we probably will not be featuring King Tut's homebrew on, uh, on the Garage Beers podcast anytime <laughs> soon after that raving review. If that would have been my beer of choice, I probably would have never been an alcoholic. So I would have never had to be sober for the last seven years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chico, we are going to wrap things up with you again. We very much appreciate you taking your time today to discuss all this fun stuff that we had. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk to you again soon down the road. But uh, uh, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. Been my pleasure, guys. Anytime. Give me a call. I appreciate it. Thank you again to Mike Chico Borman. Uh, Again, catch his show every weeknight, 7 p.m. to midnight. You got nothing else going on at 7 p.m. to midnight. It's not like you're watching sports. It's not like you've got other things to do. You're just stuck in your house. Flip the radio on, tune it to 92.3 The Fan, and listen to our buddy Chico. 
does a great job over there for 92.3. And again, great stories from him about just being a local guy, moving away, coming back. He's got his own show. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and certainly good stories that nobody's going to know about your friend Tuttle. <laughs> yeah. But it's still amazing because I, I, I wish everybody would know Tuttle because the, the guy, <laughs> he's a great guy. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's, he's a boozer. <laughs> I mean, he, every night you can find him at the wing warehouse in Northfield. That is his watering hole. And he is just, uh, I, I think he's one of the only people at wing warehouse that's allowed bottle service. He's just, he's just like, give me the bottle of hardwood whiskey. And the bartender goes, there you go. Hey. <laughs> and, hey, and, and that's it. But, uh, he's also famous for, he orders pizza from Angie's. Uh, out there and he tells them do not cut the pizza pie right he says don't cut that pizza pie i'm just go, stuffing it all in uh, yeah i go why would you do that he's like you choose your own adventure <laughs> I guess he cuts it in all sorts of different like he'll cut an x slice out like he'll cut like a like a like a, i don't know he's like if i if it, he's like if i want to do a hexagon piece i cut out a hexagon piece is he, he from he, I mean, he always talks he always talks in Peter Griffin voice. He always talks <laughs> in Peter so, uh, yeah, Tuttle's just a, a, a fabulous guy. I, everyone should meet him, but, uh, yeah, no one's going to know, but hopefully they find it funny. Yeah. And, uh, and again, thank you to Chico for joining us. Uh, he had some great things to say. I, I think uh, some of his NFL draft stuff, I think when, we, when he got into talking about, uh, you know, I asked him about the inferiority complex of why do we feel like uh, – we just buy into all of these trade rumors. And that's what happens. These trade rumors happen. Odell Beckham is going to get traded. And we just seem as a fan base to just buy in like, yeah, well, the Browns must be wanting to trade him. It doesn't even matter what the Browns say. The Browns are over there like, no, we're not. We don't want to. And again, teams say that the Giants said that we're not trading Odell Beckham. And then they traded him. But uh, he had some good things to say about that. And uh, man, just brought some really great insight, huh? So Chad, what from the interview with Chico, what was your big takeaway that, that he, that he went over with us? Uh, I mean, really, I, I feel like, I mean, he's a sports talk show host, so he obviously has to expound on things. He has to, he can't make things sound as simple as they are. And I, I took it away from that you like, yeah, it actually was this time. You, you, you stay at 10, you take your left tackle. That's the biggest position of need for you. And, and that's left, offensive tackle and receiver are the, this is the deepest class of those positions in a long, long time. So that, that's what I took away. I was kind of surprised to hear just how simple the plan was for the Browns. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a caveat or two, but it's never, you know, it's, it's, it's always seems a little bit more in depth every draft year when it comes to the Browns, but if they stay at 10, it's quite simple. So uh, I, you know, that, that, that's kind of what I took from it. And uh, you know, that's Chico for you. What made me excited through this week. So, so again, you heard Chad say it in the interview. Uh, We did record that interview earlier, as you could tell by Chad being on his phone. Uh, We recorded that on Sunday just to make sure all of our schedules mesh together and all that. And I've just been hoping all week that nothing was going to change, like no big trade was going to happen or like nothing crazy was going to happen. I'm sure all Browns fans are like, oh, gee, thanks, because we're waiting on big things to happen. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard to believe that when this airs, uh, we record now we're recording on Wednesday. 
when this airs, it is draft day. Like it is, it is go time. And, and all the stuff that Chico was talking about, all the, all the points he was making, everything he was doing, it, it's all, it all still stands true because I think so many teams are just kind of sitting and waiting. Uh, and, and that's what I think, you know, all these rumors, Trent Williams and, and, and all these trade rumors, the Browns might trade down. They might trade up. What are they going to do? I, I think, you know, it's so surreal. And that's what I said to Chico. It's so surreal that it's even draft time because I haven't even, like, I, I don't even watch live TV anymore. I don't even, like, I haven't had sports center on my TV in weeks and weeks and weeks because there's nothing happening. And so the buildup just doesn't feel like it's been there. And so I'm glad that everything that he talked about is still kind of in that realm of, oh, well, this is where we're at. Uh, and we're going to have to wait until tomorrow night to see what, what actually is going to go down in this NFL draft. Are you excited or do you think this is kind of like one of the more, maybe even the most anticlimactic draft uh, in, in our lifetimes just because of the fact that, yeah, it's going to be great. We're going to get some great players on this team, but are we even going to play? Like there's just so much uncertainty surrounding it right now. Like, like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I'm giddy. I'm getting for real. I'm getting just, it, it's just, it is one of the great events of the year and, and it's different uh, than it's usually going to be. It's not going to be on a big stage. It's not going to be in Vegas where it was supposed to be, which sucks because that would have been awesome to watch. You're not going to watch, but I think you're going to get some intimate things that happen. I think, I think, I think you're going to see a lot of these guys with their families in their houses. I think you're going to see, you know, I, I would hope that with the amount of time that ESPN has had to prepare for this whole situation, that they're going to make it so that it isn't just thrown together and we're just doing this draft, but it, there's, I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be some really cool elements of it too, that, that you wouldn't see in any other draft. Well, and aside from literally them walking on stage after they're selected, I mean, most of the show is highlights showing off players, showing off highlights from last season. You know, you're still going to feel like you're watching the draft. I think it's just oh, not going to think- be on the stage. I think the line of the interview with Chico, I, I laughed about it. I've been laughing about it. I love when he said, what's it going to look like? Is Roger gonna, Goodell going to do it in his bathrobe? Is he going to be getting booed by his family? Yeah. If he oh, had I would, any, I would if scream he had, if he did. That'd be so funny. If he had any sense of humor at all, right? If, if Roger Goodell had any sense of humor at all, he would have like his whole family standing there when he came out to announce that first pick, like, boo. <laughs> So anyway, oh, go ahead. I don't know. Like, now that you say that, I I kind of picture him being like, (laughs) like he has just like an Xbox controller and like a headset on. And he's just, (laughs) and 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 it's like you said, it's kind of like a fantasy draft. He's picking players and moving them on over. And he's sitting in a gamer chair. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) the gamer chair. He he has one. I mean, he's worth, what, $400 million. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be fine. That's just what I was thinking. It's just, I, I don't know. Because who knows if the NFL is going to play that? There's just so much uncertainty. But you're right, though. I, I mean, there is a sense of excitement for me because I, you know, I, like a lot of Browns fans, love the draft every year. Yeah. Um, you know, and just, and, and not only, even, even through the bad times, but now that this team has, seems like it actually has had competent people from a talent standpoint the last couple of years, I'm even more excited for this year because the Browns, even though they had a down year last year, they're not that far away. 
No, of course. I mean, you can't you can look at this team. I, it's just lazy. It's lazy. All the people are like, yeah, but they're the Browns. Listen, man, uh, eventually, eventually teams get it right. Every team gets it right eventually. And the Browns are so close. And that I think that's the other reason I'm giddy is that it's like, okay, here we go. They've already added several pieces that are going to be key pieces to a team that they might have finished 6-10 and 10 under – horrendous circumstances last year but they're close and they're getting pieces back healthy pieces you know if Odell and Jarvis are healthy Miles Garrett shouldn't bash anybody in the head with a helmet again and you've added to that core uh and hopefully you've got a different coaching yeah I mean they're they're right there they're right and Lamar Jackson's gonna be on Madden so he's done you know he'll have a terrible (laughs) year so here's what we're gonna do since we're so close to the draft because we can feel it. We want to we want to put ourselves out there. We want to put ourselves out on the line for anybody who listens to this to laugh at later. So we are going to do the first, the inaugural Garage Beers mock draft. And so here's what we did. We went ahead and split this up. We're only doing the top 10 picks. So when I say mock draft, I'm, we're not going to go real in-depth on this. But we split up. We're going to alternate picks. Uh, I drew the first pick. Chad drew the second pick. Joey drew the third pick. And then we're just going to alternate. We're just going to go down to 10. And so we're each going to pick for the teams one through nine. And then when we get to 10, we're all going to give our specific selection for the Browns and why we think it's going to go that way. So officially in the Garage Beers mock draft, the Cincinnati Bengals have turned in their draft card. And... To nobody's surprise, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go ahead and make the easy selection with the quarterback of the LSU Tigers, formerly of the Ohio State Buckeyes from Athens, Ohio. Joe Burrow is going to become a Cincinnati Bengal, and he's going to join Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield, and Lamar Jackson in the AFC North. And all of a sudden, the AFC North is its a quarterback haven, huh? <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah i'd say that i mean only the browns and ravens now need a quarterback from ohio and this is going to be an all (laughs) ohio afc north division quarterback but uh yeah yeah uh it it um it should be interesting i mean i know joe burrow in that off thrived in that lsu offense last year but it's uh it's going to be interesting to see because it's really only been uh his first well i mean i know well i take that back it's his, it's his second year as a starter, but he struggled mightily in his first year at LSU. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He's going to have to show that he's not a flash in a pan. I think that's going to be what the doubters are going to say. But um, if, if, if anything that he showed last year in college carries over into this year, it's, it, he's going to be incredible. Absolutely. Incredible. Yeah, but I think you make a really good point because I think, I think he's so obviously the choice, and I, that's why I made the pick. He is obviously the choice. But, listen – uh, he left Ohio State because he couldn't beat out other players that were playing at Ohio State. He didn't have a great first year at LSU. Now, he had a, an, an insane last year. That LSU offense was absolutely incredible. But, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that he's the sure thing that everybody says he is. But, man, he's got the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks that's come out of the NFL draft in a long, in a long time. So, the Cincinnati Bengals – the kid from Southeast Ohio is moving to Southwest Ohio and, uh, and he'll be, he'll be quarterback in the, the kitty cats down in Cincinnati with the 
second overall pick in the draft, Chad Meyer is going to pick for the Washington Redskins. The Redskins have selected edge rusher from the Ohio State Buckeyes, who, in my opinion, not a popular opinion, has potential bust written all over him. Edge rusher Chase Young from the Ohio State Buckeyes. Going into the Washington Redskins, folks. Yeah, I got a, I've got a really quick question for you. Yeah. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I, when I took a closer look at, at Chase, because I noticed that he started disappearing in big games, and I was, um, you know, and I noticed when he got double teamed, he tended to quit. I, I think he relies on his uh, speed uh, a little bit too much. I, I don't think he has any moves. I, I just don't. Um, I do it now. Can it be corrected in the NFL? Absolutely. Can he turn into the, I mean, he has all the talent in the world. But, uh, you know, when I took it, like I said, when I took a closer look, I, I just think he has some things that have, may have potential bust on him. You know, like I said, he got, he got, he quits when he gets double teamed. Right? You, and it was never more apparent than it was in a Michigan game. Uh, he didn't, he didn't register a tackle. He didn't even register an assist in that game. Uh, he only had six tackles in the Big Ten championship game against one of the most overrated top 25 teams uh, year in and year out in college football in Wisconsin. And in the college football playoff against Clemson, he didn't affect the game at all. He had two solo tackles. That's it. That's it. Uh, so I just, in my opinion, I mean, can he be an all pro year in and year out? Absolutely. He has all the talent in the world. I just think uh, maybe sometimes he lacks motivation and, and, and he, has, he has to improve a lot in some aspects to be a good NFL edge rusher. Well, listen, I'm not going to disagree with you that he has to improve because any of these guys have to improve to come in and make impacts on the NFL. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you. You've just listed a couple of games and you've listed a number of tackles for an edge rusher. And I think that stat is, in my opinion, that stat is meaningless. Tackles for an edge rusher don't mean anything. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Well, how here, is he? And here's what I'll say. I I'll, think expound, he was, I'll expound upon those. No forced fumbles, no quarterback, two quarterback hurries within those three games and no, and no sacks. No sacks in those three games at all. What I will say is this. Uh, tackles don't matter for an edge rusher, but how he's impacting the game does. Now, he had a horrendous game against Michigan. He would tell you that uh, because it wasn't even – it was there was no real impact that he was making. But, but by nature, a guy that's good enough to automatically draw double teams from all of his opponents, when, you're, when you've got one guy taking on two guys – you're giving the rest of your defense an advantage. So um, I see what you're saying. I think the Michigan game was miserable. I think he was pretty good in the Big Ten championship game, to be honest with you. And, and again, I think Clemson went all out to stop him. I mean, I watch, go watch that Clemson game again. They, did, they went after him with everything. And you, can you make the argument that uh, a guy that has the potential of Chase Young should have been able to blast through that and still make an impact? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could make that argument, and I, I won't disagree with you on that, but I think uh, I think Chase Young, uh, I think he's got star written all over him. I think he's better than uh, – I don't think he's better than Joey Bosa coming out. I think he's certainly is better. I would put him higher than Nick Bosa I would have put uh, coming out. I think he is every bit as good as those guys. I think he's as good as, as Miles Garrett was coming out, uh, and I think he's got the potential. And I think, yeah, I think the last thing you said was NFL coaches – are going to be able to teach him things. So 
Uh, I won't invalidate uh, a lot of what you said, but I, I think, uh, oh man, I, I would be, if I was the Redskins and I'm getting Chase Young to come shore up my defensive line, I'm really excited. Oh, sure. I mean, and I only said potential bust. I don't think he's going to be a bust. I mean, obviously, sure. you take a look at what he did throughout this entire year, and certainly he's a dominant football player. I just think, I just think after taking a little bit deeper a look at him, he just lacks, he lacks motivation. I, I, I don't think, I, I think he has a tendency to slow up. And, you know, when, you know, you talked about, that opens things up for your defense that Ohio state defense got exposed a little bit in those games where he got double teamed. And, you know, if you're going to be a, a top three pick in the draft, you're supposed to make that you need to make that impact. I mean, I don't think I, I'm going to make that argument. Like you said, that he should be able to blast through those double teams or, or, or make some moves or rip through a tackle, uh, an offensive tackle. Uh, on those, uh, but if you're gonna if you're gonna be taken that high, I think you need to make that impact, regardless of the scheme that they have planned for you. And it just didn't seem that in those big games that he did that he that that he did improve that he did adjust. I, I think he just thought he could win on his ability alone, and he didn't. He didn't win those matchups. But I mean, don't get me wrong, Ohio State, you know, beat the crap out of Michigan, and they beat the crap out, ended up beating the crap out of Wisconsin. I just. If you're supposed to be that that sort of impact player, I I, I think you know you you need to be you need you need to do that, especially in the bigger games. You know, well, you it, heard it didn't it matter. It didn't matter. You heard you know, it. against Florida <laughs> Atlantic. Yeah, well, you heard it here first. Sorry. Chad Meyer, Chad Meyer has guaranteed that Chase Young will be a bust. Uh, so <laughs> that is a Chad Meyer guarantee. You son uh, but, of a bitch. <laughs> you son of but, a bitch. You're drunk already. You're drunk. But the Washington Redskins end up with some Ohio State firepower with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback and Chase Young at the edge. On the clock now is Joey, and he is picking for the Detroit Lions. For the first time in two whole years, <laughs> we're going to go uh, two top four picks with uh, Ohio State. And Jeff Akuda will be going to the Lions. Uh, the Lions, they're like, you can pretty much just throw a dart at the draft board, and I think you'll find someone that's going to help them. They're pretty abysmal. I mean, especially with Matt Stafford being out for, was it half the season or maybe more last mm -hmm. year? They had so many offensive problems. They pretty much have like a bunch of, you know, reject Patriots on their defense. Uh, <laughs> they lost Darius Slay to the Eagles. So, they're pretty much thirsty for just anyone who can run, hopefully jump a little bit, but Jeff Akuda is going to bring them uh, pretty much everything they could ask for on a cornerback, especially losing Darius Slay. Um, they're going to be pretty bolstered in defense there. I mean, they have a long way to go, I think, before they're relevant, especially in the NFC North. That's a pretty tough division with Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and all they're doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th I think Jeff uh, will probably be a good fit there. Um, but yeah, the line's got a, <laughs> got a long way to go. <laughs> I like how you said that. Can you, can you see, can you see Matt Patricia? Like, all right, kid, can you run? Can you jump? Why don't you come be a Detroit lion? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're perplexing. That's though, pretty man. much all like, we need. Honestly, they got so much talent in Detroit. And I think just that career, that Matt Stafford career is just going to always be sad to me because I think he, I think he 
should have been elite. I think he was elite for a long time, but even still they couldn't win games. I think Calvin Johnson just kind of came and went Yeah, uh, and they never won games. Like they never get it really like, one year they will have a top five defense and their offense will be horrendous. Yeah. And then another year they will have a top five offense and their defense gives up a million points. Like the lions are like, you think the Browns are perplexing? No, the Browns are just bad. Like there have been so many years where the Browns had no business winning any games that it's not even perplexing. They've just been bad. The lions are perplexing. How do you just, you've had so much talent, so many pro bowlers, so, so many good players on that team and you just never get over it. And it's not because of Matt Stafford at all. Matt Stafford's been really, really good. Yeah, they, They're lucky to yeah. at least have him anchoring things down. Yeah, well, so a couple of Ohio State Buckeyes going in the top three of the Garage Beers mock, mock draft as Jeff Akuda is going to go step in and hopefully fill the hole that Darius Slay left when he left for Philadelphia. So now I'm on the clock again, and I've got the New York Giants, and they got all kinds of needs. But I think – Here's where I think we're going to see the first gut punch for Browns fans as Browns fans are going to, our Browns fans are going to watch that first round, those first nine picks, hoping that anybody else gets taken. But I think the New York giants are desperate for help on the offensive line, desperate for help uh, for Saquon Barkley. Uh, And so uh, the giants with the fourth pick in the garage beers podcast, the giants are going to go offensive tackle and they're going to take Tristan Wirfs from Iowa and I just think, personally, I think Wirfs is, uh, and again, maybe it's a little bit of the pedigree of the school, uh, but those kind of Midwest Big Ten schools are machines for producing really good offensive linemen. Uh, Iowa's certainly no different than teams like Wisconsin. Um, and so I think Tristan Wirfs, uh, I have him rated really highly. I think he does a lot of things really well, and I think plug him in at left tackle and you got Daniel Jones, uh, he's, he's covered on his blind side, and you've got a really good run-blocking offensive talk, tackle as well. Tristan Wirfs has some crazy footwork, uh, and, and his ability, I think, to get to the second level and to create holes for Saquon Barkley and to get out in front. Most importantly, uh, you've got an athlete in Wirfs that can get out in front of Barkley on things like screen passes because they run. they're going to run a lot of those little short passes that rely on their offensive linemen to get out and get moving. So I think Wirfs fills that hole really nicely. I know Browns fans are going to hope that no offensive tackles get taken, but uh, right there, it's just too good to be too good to be true for the giants. And they get the first offensive tackle off the board. So now we're going to move on. Uh, just, just b- before we move on a little bit of uh, uh, there might be some movement here on the Trent Williams Ooh. thing here, Mike. Uh, are we breaking news? I, I, and I mean, it's not like breaking, breaking news, but anytime a player itself themselves who are involved in any sort of discussions posts, his most recent Instagram post, Trent Williams has those like, I like, 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 like the eyes wide open, like, <gasps> and, and, and like the praying hands and, and, the, and the, and the winky face, <laughs> something like I, 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 there's some sort of movement, I think going on. Uh, on the Trent Williams front and really the only team he's been linked to is the Browns. So I I, I think I'm not saying it's, I'm not trying to say anything's going to happen. I'm just saying it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. yeah, I think I think emoji analytics right there. Let's get into Trent Williams. Let's get into Trent Williams after we do this. Cause I do want to talk about that a little bit. And if it was the Browns, what that would mean for the Browns at 10, uh, but also keep your eye, uh, 
uh, I know the other team that's really been in that conversation is the Bucks because uh, they're going all in. Brady and Gronkowski, we'll talk about that in a minute. So uh, who knows where Trent Williams might be going. It's pretty clear they are not going to have him back in Washington. So we'll talk about what that would mean for the Browns if they did that. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to move on to pick number five of the Garage Beers mock draft. And this is Chad picking for the Miami Dolphins. With the fifth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins have selected quarterback Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama. Uh, this is a pick that it's, it makes the most sense for them, uh, especially with them being linked to trading for Patriots offensive lineman uh, Joe Tunney uh, on the franchise tag. I mean, uh, uh, this is also a team who has been spending a lot of money this offseason and really – Right now, they're just missing a franchise quarterback. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of health questions about Tua. But if he's right, uh, he's the next best quarterback uh, behind Joe Burrow in this draft. And, and uh, yeah, so if he's right uh, health-wise, excuse me, <laughs> if he's right health-wise, I had to burp there. If he's right, <laughs> the Miami gotcha. Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, the Miami Dolphins uh, have selected you know, their franchise quarterback and, you know, good, goodbye, Ryan Fitzmagic. I, I don't even know who the other guy was, but uh, Tua Tagovailoa, you're a Miami Dolphin. Yeah, I think that we've talked a lot about. We talked about it with Chico. Make the easy choice. I think if you're a Dolphins fan, the easy choice, you've got to get your quarterback. I, I, they've been linked to so many other players in this draft, linemen and, and, and defensive players, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Tua gets hurt, and he has a significant injury, right? Like, mm-hmm. I understand that, but it's not like Tua was accident prone or injury prone. He had one significant injury and right. that raises, I wouldn't say that raises a red flag. That raises a yellow flag. Can this guy, is he fully healed? Is he passing his physicals? If so, if he's moving well, if you can see him and he's moving well, and he, like let's not act like this guy's injury prone. He's, he had one injury and if he's over it, great. Uh, if he's over it, I, I was saying this to Joe before we started uh, recording. If he's over it, Kyler Murray was the number one overall pick last year. There isn't a shadow of a doubt in my mind that if you put Kyler Murray and Tuit in the same draft and they were both healthy, nothing, uh, no health issues against either one, Tua is easily the top choice. I think Tua is, I think he is. Uh, there's this weird little underrated thing going on, but he was so good for Alabama and he made every throw and he's a little bit undersized, but Kyler Murray showed you can play a little undersized. And I think that's the kind of offense the Dolphins might try to run. So yeah, man, I think you nailed that pick. I, I You'll see what kind of the franchises that succeed tend to make those easy picks and the easy pick for the Dolphins is to, uh, and if he's sitting there, they should turn that card in. Uh, what do they do? Are they going to turn a card in? Are they going to? click a button and mail it in do they send an email do they email a card <laughs> don't be like a vikings now i don't know i don't know how it works <laughs> but whatever they do they should do it fast and get two on the team all right joey you got the next pick so with the sixth pick of the draft the chargers will select justin herbert um i'm saying that because i think that's what they'll do <laughs> I don't think it's what they should do. Um, the way I look at this draft, you have potential potential top tier quarterback in Justin or uh, Joe Burrow, and then you kind of have 
like just a pool of unknowns. I mean, Tua and Justin Herbert are going to be in that second tier. Um, but for a sixth overall pick uh, and for a franchise that doesn't really have a clear direction right now, and remember, they don't have – obviously, Philip Rivers is in uh, Indy now. They have uh, Tyrod Taylor to kind of be like the mentor quarterback for who they want to bring in or to hold him over for a year. But, I mean, on offense, like Melvin Gordon's gone. Um, you have Hunter Henry, but he's been pretty injury-prone. Um, so you're just not really sure what kind of direction that team is going to go. And do you go with Justin Herbert, who it's potentially unknown how effective he's going to be in the NFL, um, or do you sure up something like offensive tackle, tackle um, get someone in there to learn your system to grow with that offensive line? Um, so I, I, for me, it's kind of a toss-up. I don't think it'll be a toss-up for them. I think they're going to go Justin Herbert. Um, but for me, I, I don't think he is that – um, top-tier quarterback that you're going to want for the sixth overall pick. And Chet, what are you thinking about this? Because I yeah, think they seem- for the first time, for the first time, uh, if I was listening to this, for the first time I would hear Justin Herbert and go, whoa. Like I, The rest of the picks we've made so far have been pretty easy. I think people would argue with Jeff Akuda, uh, not argue that he shouldn't go there, but maybe the Lions will take a different position, whatever. But, man, Justin Herbert, what are you feeling about that, Chad? They have to uh, find a quarterback. I mean, they got to take somebody. You you can't have enough. I mean, you can't rely on Tyrod Taylor being uh, the guy to take you to the Super Bowl, to take you to the playoffs. Uh, so they're going to need to experiment with somebody. I mean, they you know, I looked up their team needs, and supposedly they've got a quarterback, offensive tackle, a linebacker, edge rusher, and tight end. Uh, so, I mean, I guess you could go Isaiah Simmons, but again, are you trusting Tyrod Taylor to be your quarterback for the next five to six years? I, I don't think so. So, you know, it's, it's more, it's more or less, you know, could the Chargers trade down and, and still take Herbert? Sure. But I mean, if, if he's your guy, if he, if he's the one you want, I mean, you, you hear that plenty of times in the draft. If you like a guy, take him no matter where you are. And if Justin Herbert's your guy, sure, sure, pick him. Why not? Hey, listen, I, <laughs> I agree with that philosophy. Uh, and so the Chargers get their quarterback. Man, uh, three quarterbacks off the board in the top six picks. Not different than most years, but I don't know that this is the uh, most killer year for quarterbacks either, but Herbert, the third one off the board. Uh, so I'm next. So with the seventh overall pick in the 2020 Garage Beers mock draft, the Carolina Panthers, and here's another gut punch coming to Browns fans. Sorry to do this to you, uh, but the Carolina Panthers uh, make a choice that just seems to be a match made in heaven. They take the linebacker outside of Clemson, Isaiah Simmons. And, uh, you know, with with Luke Keekley retiring this year, that obviously uh, opens up a hole at their linebacker position. And, uh, and here comes Isaiah Simmons. And uh, you lose a guy like Keekley that's been just one of the one of the top model interior linebackers in the NFL for years. Uh, and and you probably think, man, how are you going to replace him? Well, here comes Isaiah Simmons. And Isaiah Simmons, one of the one of the top interior linebacking prospects to come out of college in, in quite a while. So uh, Simmons was a force at Clemson, a big reason that Clemson has really become the premier uh, football university, even overtaken Alabama uh, recently and uh, 
Simmons is going to stay pretty close to Clemson. He's going to move a state up north, and he'll find himself playing in Charlotte with the Panthers. And I think, uh, man, if if you're a Carolina fan, this is this is your dream. This is what if I was a Carolina fan, uh, like my my good friend Dan Helm, uh, huge Carolina. Uh, Panthers fan, and this is what I would be praying for all day tomorrow. They're, you know, and they're going to need defensive help. I mean, if the NFC South isn't doesn't have the best collection of offenses in the in this league now, I I don't know what is. I mean, listen to this. You know, you got Tampa Bay, you've got Brady, Evans, Godwin, and Gronk. Now, the Saints, you've got Breeze, Kamara, Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, and Taysom Hill. You've got the Falcons with Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. And then you got the Panthers bringing up the rear with Bridgewater. Hey, a, little, a guy named Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if you've heard of him. And now DJ Moore. Like, <laughs> right. That's not the best collection of offensive talent in, in, in terms of division-wise in the NFL. I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah. Well, Carolina's going to try to hedge against that build up that defense and try to squeak some wins out of that division. So Isaiah Simmons off the board. Next up, Chad, you got Arizona's pick. Arizona with the eighth pick (laughs) in the 2020 NFL mock garage beers draft. The Arizona Cardinals have selected Jedrick Wills, offensive tackle from Alabama. Uh, everything I keep hearing about this guy, uh, he's supposed to be the most NFL ready tackle like that. He can play either side and, uh, he's, he's the best all around blocker out of the top four, uh, tackles and with the giants going worse. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, uh, the more athletic of everybody out of them. I mean, he just showed out at the combine, but Jedrick Wills is just supposed to be from everything I'm reading is supposed to be that safe pick the most ready guy i mean he can block from either side he's good at in pass protection and run blocking so uh the cardinals bolster that offensive line uh to go with uh to give kyler murray some protection with his brand new weapon in deandre hopkins so cardinals take jedrick wills cardinals bolster that offensive line much needed Uh, and i think cardinals fans will be happy about that joey you got the ninth pick with the ninth pick, uh, the Jaguars are going with Derek Brown out of Auburn. Um, I would put the Jags in a very similar category as the Lions, where they're just kind of perplexing. Like, they had this defense <laughs> that came out, what was it, like three years ago? Yeah. Uh, I know I had them on my fantasy team, and they are just raking in points. And you didn't see that last year in a particularly wide open uh, AFC South. I, I mean, I know the Titans made it to the AFC championship. Uh, the Texans were in the playoffs, um, but all in all, it's a, it's a pretty average division. I think the teams match up well um, and there's no clear front runner. And I don't think there's going to be one this year. Um, so for the Jags, uh, especially lo- losing uh, Clay's Campbell, um, you really got to sure up that, uh, that front seven gets someone big on the line there. And I think Derek Brown is going to do that for them. Yeah. And the other, their other bookend defensive end, uh, well, Dante Fowler got traded last year, but Yannick, I, I don't know how you even say his last Ngakwe. name. But, uh, it's in Gakwe. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Gakwe wants to be traded. Like he wants out. So yeah. they're definitely going to need some uh, defensive linemen to, 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 to supplement that. All right, gents. 
So the first nine picks have been made, and that leads us to what we're all going to be waiting for tomorrow night in the first round of the NFL draft. Number 10, it is the Cleveland Browns on the clock. Hey, Chad, why don't you go first? Who do you think the Browns are going to take? Well, or who would you take? You know, with, for me, no, I've talked about it in the past couple of episodes. It's simple for me. Offensive tackle is the biggest need uh, for you because you need to protect Baker Mayfield's blind side. You know, last year, you know, I, I think a combination of poor blocking up front, especially at the tackle positions, made Baker a, a, a little shaky. He was not confident in the pocket last year. Uh, and I think that taking the tackle is the simplest, uh, easiest, and safest choice here. And, you know, with two of the top four tackles left on the board in Andrew Thomas or Mecca Becton, Mekhi Becton? Mekhi Becton? Mekhi Becton. Becton. Uh, I, I, I chose Andrew Thomas, although I think you can't go wrong with either one of the two. Um, but the reason why I chose Thomas over Becton is just because whenever I hear Becton, whatever I hear about Becton, I hear major upside. His ceiling is huge. And that, yeah, that's great. But the, but the thing is that I hear upside, but I have to play a tackle right away. And I just think Andrew Thomas is probably a little bit more ready than Becton is right now. So that's why I went with offensive tackle out of Georgia, Andrew Thomas. All right. So we got one vote for Andrew Thomas, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with uh, Chad here on that one. I think you need someone that's going to be able to step right in. I mean, the amount of firepower potential that we have on offense, um, hopefully under the right scheme here with Kevin Stefanski, I, I think you need as sure of a bet as you can get um, on that front line. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with Chad here on that one. So two votes for Andrew Thomas, and that leaves me. And I'll tell you what, two. Uh, it's an interesting position. It, it makes me laugh to think, You've got Jerry Judy out there. You got Ceedee Lamb out there. Henry Ruggs, who almost, God, if it wasn't for where you're at in this draft, you you almost kind of wish the Browns were picking at like 20 or 21 because Ruggs is like the perfect slot receiver to fit in with uh, with OBJ and uh, and Jarvis Landry. So you got all these. We usually love talking receivers around draft time, and then I love the two offensive tackles that are left uh, because. Uh, and I know you said it about Wills, uh, Chad, but uh, what I know or what I've read about Andrew Thomas is he's like the NFL ready. Uh, he's the one with the low floor. He's ready to go. He's he's polished and he's and he's uh, and, and he's ready to go. Where Makai Becton is kind of the question: Is he going to be the best offensive tackle in this draft? Is he going to be the worst? Uh, uh, not that he'll be the worst, but maybe the worst of the four. Uh, and so he's got the longest way to go as far as learning technique and all that. Uh, but when it, when it all said and done, I completely agree with you. Even if all four guys were on the board, uh, Wirfs and Wills and Becton and Andrew Thomas, I would choose Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Uh, Andrew Thomas, the way he is talked about as kind of not flashy, low floor, ready to go, player reminds me an awful lot of a guy that played left tackle for the Cleveland Browns with the last name of Thomas, uh, who he wasn't flashy. He was just always really reliable and really good. And I think that's what you're going to get with Andrew Thomas. So 
amazingly, we did not even discuss this before, but amazingly, all three of us wind up with the same uh, decision with the 10th overall pick. The Cleveland Browns go with Andrew Thomas to fill the left tackle need. And I'll tell you what, guys, if that happens, uh, I'll be doing cartwheels down here in my basement. Oh, I'd like to see that. Can you take that and post it to the show page? Yeah, I can't do – well, I could probably – I might be able to pull it off. It might be more of like a – what's the other one called? The roundhouse or the round oh, – okay. round off? Could, round off. We can start round you at off. the top of the stairs if you want. <laughs> oh, yeah, give me a little momentum. <laughs> uh, as long as there's an ambulance nearby, I'm down. I will do it. Yeah, I mean, Fairview Park, you're not that far from uh, Fairview Hospital. Fairview Hospital. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, so let's get real quick into what uh, that your little breaking news there was, Chad, because obviously uh, I think the two teams that have been most heavily involved in this Trent Williams talk, the Browns have been involved for a year and a half now, and uh, the Bucks, now that they have, um, you know, kind of pushed all their chips to the middle and gone for Brady and Gronkowski and, and really uh, tried to get that machine going, the, the Bucks have been part of that rumor mill as well. So let's say these emojis on Trent Williams' Instagram are correct and he's on the move and it comes out tomorrow that the Cleveland Browns have acquired Trent Williams. Uh, What does that mean? Let's say the draft worked out exactly as it did for us. What does that mean for the Cleveland Browns at the 10th overall pick if Trent Williams is a Cleveland Brown by the time the Browns are on the clock? I think it means that you're looking at uh, possibly trading back and, and taking a defensive lineman, a safety, uh, maybe one of these awesome wide receivers. Because, I mean, it, it, although I wouldn't be inclined to take this, uh, a wide receiver in a strap because apparently there's going to be impact players all the way up into the fourth round. With that, I mean, that's just how deep this receiver class is. So I, I guess I wouldn't be inclined, but man, oh, man. I would be very, very tempted if I traded for Trent Williams and I was able to keep number 10 to, to, to take one of those guys. I mean, why not? I, I, I think Odell Beckham might even be part of that. <laughs> I'm as crazy as it sounds, might even be part of that trade with the Redskins. Uh, just, just because, just to, get rid of, just to get rid of that salary. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think if, if you do trade for Trent Williams, the, the – the possibilities are, are just, just endless. I mean, I think if you stay at 10 and you trade for Trent Williams, that speaks to me. That's his best player on the board, no matter what position. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, there's all the smoke in the world around uh, Denver uh, really coveting these wide receivers, and they sit at the 15th pick, and there's a lot of talk about them coming up uh, to try to make that uh, make one of those – a guy like Jerry Judy who'd just be sitting there at 10, Denver would be salivating. So I'll tell you, I'm with you. I know Browns don't want to hear about trading back, but if you shore up the left tackle before the draft starts, yeah, uh, get down to 15, trade back with Denver, and then you're sitting there looking at like Grant Delpit or Xavier McKinney from Alabama, the two top safeties in this draft. Uh, Again, remember your two safeties, Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo, just signed one-year deals. So safety's going to be a need for you, and those guys would just be sitting there waiting for you. So, uh, you know, say what you will about bringing in a 31-year-old tackle who didn't play last year and the questions that that brings up, but uh, the flexibility of, you know, can can you get three to four really good years out of Trent Williams? 
and then grab the top safety in this draft. Uh, man, I mean, how could you go wrong with that? Right. Right. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think you could. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything to say that to say to that, because I mean, if you do trade for Trent, Trent Williams, that's saying to me, the Browns, truly do believe that Trent Williams is their left tackle for the next, you know, three, four, maybe even five years, depending on his health. Cause remember, you know, he, he had that mask removed from his head that, that, that cancerous uh, mm-hmm. material removed from his head and his knees are completely healthy. So he's had some, he's had some time to get fresh. So, uh, so if they make that trade, they're obviously confident in that. So, yeah, if you're looking at a, a Grant Delpit or a Xavier McKinney at, at 15 it, while gaining a, a more assets, maybe even another second or maybe even a third, third-round pick, right? sure, sure, why not? Yeah, I don't I, – you know, I'd be real happy with them staying at 10, but I don't know. I'm kind of getting jazzed up about uh, the thought of them making that deal for Trent Williams and then getting back. I would be on the phone with Denver immediately just trading, looking to trade back. Uh, yeah. Or the other thing is, you know what? Who cares? Let's say you covet. Let's say you covet Delpit. Uh, all right, get him. Uh, take him at ten. But if we wind up at the end of the day tomorrow, shoring up the offensive line, whether that's just with our tenth pick or whether it's uh, whether it's gaining more assets, I think the Browns are in a great spot. So uh, again, in the in the inaugural Garage Beers NFL mock draft. Uh, we've all come to a consensus, hard to believe, without even discussing it. Andrew Thomas would be the pick for the Browns at number 10, the offensive tackle out of Georgia. And, and man, Browns fans should be really happy about that. We're going to stick in the NFL. Just a couple more things to talk about. We're going to stick in the NFL for just a minute because huge news this week uh, out of the, the WWE or the NFL, the WWE 24-7 champion, the 24-7 champion, Rob Gronkowski is willing to give up the belt, if you can believe it, to join Tom Brady in Tampa Bay as the new tight end of the Tampa Bay Bucks. And, I mean, listen, I'm not, not going to get all crazy about this because eventually, and we've said it for probably five years now, eventually though father time is undefeated and so i don't know whether tom brady is going to come into a new system and and be amazing i don't know that uh gronkowski who has a year off of football and he's obviously still in great shape but a year off of football and training and all that does he it almost feels like he's doing this for fun like i'm just gonna go join my buddy in tampa but man the dude comes out he just weeks ago, he was at the host of WrestleMania dancing like an idiot up on the stage, having a great time. Big news that WWE was tweeting it everywhere. We signed Rob Gronkowski to a contract. He was going to be the next big thing. He wins a belt and he's giving it up to join the Bucks. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, he is still going to be uh, the 24 7 champion. Uh, and, and, you know, if you checked your phone, he just had an alert. He plans on defending the title uh, while still on the Bucks. So I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, WWE filming in, in, in Tampa's facility. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, they've had some 
you know, film crews everywhere uh, to, to, to defend this. And uh, Gronkowski still plans on defending the title while with the Bucks. Um, <laughs> it, it wouldn't surprise me, but um, yeah, I don't know. Even with the Gronkowski trade, I'm still not sold on Tampa, but uh, you also got to think too, WWE being considered an essential business now in Orlando, that probably also had something to do with this trade because being so close to uh, Orlando at the performance center. So I, I think he's going to try to do both, Mike. I, I don't know how he'll do it because the schedules are so heavy, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's this fucking guy, this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if you're unfamiliar with the 24 seven championship in the WWE, it basically is a title belt that they made up this last year. And it's the most ridiculous thing on the planet. And it's just for entertainment purposes, which is what WWE is. But it's it can be defended anytime, anywhere. If you bring a referee and you uh, – I think somebody got hit with a car. I think, like, it, it gets defended out in the streets. And, like, they'll have, like, a referee walking down the street in, like, a trench coat, and he'll, like, rip off his coat and then get down and do a three count. Like, so Gronk wins that. So now I'm thinking, like, it could be the greatest touchdown celebration of all time. Like – Tom Brady lays a leg drop on Gronkowski and then like somebody pulls a ref Jersey out and counts one, two, three. And now Tom Brady is the 24 seven champ. Like this could get, this could get weird. And I'm, I am here for it. I am signed up and I am ready for it. I'm subscribed. What a crossover event, right? (laughs) Who would have thought WWE and NFL potentially the same screen, same game. Same, yes, same everything. It would be, I don't know, it'd be, it'd be the biggest thing. It might be the biggest sporting event of all time. Yeah. WrestleMania was supposed to be in Tampa Bay's stadium this year. It was supposed to be in Raymond James Stadium down there, and it obviously was, it wasn't canceled, but they moved it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's I, I question, I don't question Tom Brady's talent. I don't question Rob Gronkowski's talent. They're, Gronkowski's one of the great tight ends to ever play. Brady might be the great quarterback to ever play. What I do question is, now that you're out of that New England situation, you were fighting for New England to, to maintain something, a level of expectation. You were, it was that Patriots way for 20 years that you were fighting to uphold. Now you're in Tampa. There is no Buccaneers way. There is no Tampa way. Uh, and so I, the only thing I question is eventually do they just go, ah, well, eh, it got hard. It didn't work. And I wouldn't say, I'm not saying that Brady would do that, but like, yeah, I'm with you, Chad. I'm not putting all my eggs in the Tampa Bay basket. I think, I still think new Orleans is a more talented team in that division, but, uh, uh, Tampa Bay certainly can make some noise. Uh, and, and, and what a distraction that title is going to be. I mean, people are going to be on the hunt for Rob Gronkowski everywhere. Oh, sure. It's, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Tampa's obviously, if I'm a Buccaneers fan, I'm obviously excited. But the thing is, uh, if you're getting 28 year old Brady, I, I would probably put that uh, a little more stake into that. But you're getting 43 year old Brady. Uh, a guy who needs to thrive off of play action and good offensive line play. Like a lot of things, I I think just too much has to come together too quickly for that Buccaneers team 
to be able to make a run at a title. I mean, yeah, you have all those weapons on offense, but you don't have a respectable running game. You don't have, uh, you know, a respectable offensive line yet. I mean, we'll see if they make a Trent Williams trade. And, and you don't have a respectable uh, defensive secondary. And, it, you know, we, we just went through all those offensive weapons in the NFC South. So, I, I don't know. It's, it remains to be seen. But if Tom Brady is any sort of Tom Brady of old, I mean, I think, I, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I'm just – I'm not sold on Tampa until I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. So, all right, boys. Well – I think that's going to do it for us. It is, by the time you're listening to this, uh, if you catch us on the first day, which is always a Thursday, it is happy draft day. Uh, The Browns um, could be making big moves here. We're going to find out. I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight. I'm always, whenever there's rumors, Trent Williams or whatever, I always have trouble sleeping. So I'm going to have trouble sleeping. But uh, we went with the people's choice. The the people chose that we were going to drink stouts tonight for our garage beer of the week. Uh, because they think the Browns should go offensive tackle. And the three of us all agreed. Uh, So uh, hopefully we're all right. Hopefully the Browns get that offensive tackle situation squared away tomorrow. And who knows what else is going to happen in what promises to be one of the wildest, weirdest NFL drafts of all time. So uh, big time thank you this week goes out to our friend Mike Chico Borman. Again, listen to his show, Chico After Dark the most seductive name in all of sports talk radio. Uh, That's on 92.3, the fan here in Cleveland, every single weeknight from 7 p.m. until midnight. Other than that, guys, you got anything else? Well, I'm going to sleep great tonight. I'm going to have like two more of these peanut butter milk stouts. uh, (laughs) I'll be out. That's a good idea. If you need, if you need a stouts are always a good one to put you out. So uh, we'll be talking uh, and, and, uh, I'm just going to say this. We're not going to spoil it, but be sure to tune in next week because uh, we got a pretty exciting situation going on for next week. And we are going to be joined by a pretty familiar name if you're a Browns fan. So make sure you tune in. Otherwise, for Chad over there on the east side of Cleveland, for Joey down there in Nashville, Tennessee, please subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, if you like it, give us a like, rate us, uh, and then follow us. Interact with us on our Facebook page at the Garage Beer or at our Twitter page at the Garage Beers. Uh, we're always looking for ideas, and uh, we love to hear your feedback. So, again, for Chad and Joey, uh, this is Michael Keith. Thank you so much for listening to the Garage Beers podcast, and cheers, go Browns! Go Browns! Calling all partners. Losing weight is better together with Nutrisystem's partner plan. In fact, people who diet together lose 20% more weight than dieting on their own. Get new premium meals with up to 30 grams of protein. They're big and filling and taste delicious. Plus, try our new restaurant faves that taste like your favorite restaurant portioned with half the calories. Don't wait. You could win big cash during Nutrisystem's Better Together Partner Plan 100K giveaway. And maybe win the grand prize of $25,000. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash 
thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off your first month. You heard me right. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Don't wait. This partner plan offer will not last long. Just go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin right now and get 50% off plus an extra $50 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash thin. See website for details on our two-month subscription offer. No purchase necessary. Open only to U.S. residents over 21. Void where prohibited. Runs December 25 through April 4th, 2022. For official rules, visit Nutrisystem.com. Sponsored by Nutrisystem, Inc.